All right. Well, um, I know a lot of you like riddles. So let's start tonight with a riddle. What is something that all of us desperately need, yet is almost impossible for us to define? You you can chat it in if you want to take a guess. Oh, look at that. Klondike bar. Thank you, Luke. I can't even begin to understand what that means. Although, I don't know about a need, but they are great. No, Vernea got it. Um, she, love, love. She, she's got the right answer. She's got the answer that Chris is looking for tonight. Um, we're talking about love again tonight. And to be human and to flourish as a person, we, we totally understand this. We need relationships and we need love. Um, and yet, what is love? It is really, really hard for us to define. Um, is love having kind feelings? What about emotional attachment uh, or unshakable commitment or a willingness to sacrifice for the other? Um, or is love just simply not doing harm, not hurting someone else? Like last week, we heard Jesus answer to this question, what is love? And he says, in some ways, it's surprising. In some ways, it's not. When, you know, what is love? He basically says, me. Uh, love is defined by everything that I am and everything that I do. Uh, so remember John 13, 34, our text from last week, as I have loved you, Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I'm, I'm pretty confident if Jesus were here today, he would walk into something like Google headquarters and he would tell them, look, when people search, you know, the question, what is love? I want you to give them a big image of me. I want that to be the main hit that they get. Um, and you, I mean, it, can you imagine saying something like that? Like, you know, that I am the perfect embodiment, the perfect definition, the perfect image of love. Um, and Jesus, he can say stuff like that. You know, when I try to say stuff like that with my wife, Danielle, like I I'm, I'm the doctor of love or the, I've got a PhD in love. She just shakes her head and laughs because she knows me and she knows better. Um, but this is where we began last week. Jesus shows us the true nature of love. And he is the supreme example. And now, moving forward for the next several weeks, we want to look at Jesus and we want to pay close attention to how he loves. And we also want to ask, well, how can we love like Jesus loves? Um, how can we live out that second statement, you know, back in John 13, 34, where he said, as I have loved you, how can we live out this part? So you must love one another. And the big idea that we're landing on tonight is you need to see well in order to love well, okay? You and I, if we are going to love well, if we're going to love like Jesus, then we need to see others well, okay? So we're going to do a little experiment. Here's, here's now my visual aid for the night, all right? This is a short 45 second video, another test. All right. This is a fun test though. All right. I want to see how well you can pay attention and see things. And in this video, it's pretty obvious. You're going to see two groups of people. There's a group of people with white t-shirts on, and there's a people group. There's a group of people with black t-shirts on, and you're supposed to count how many times the white team passes a basketball to each other. Okay. So Bill, if you've got that ready to go, let's give it a shot. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! 
The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? All right, so how many people saw the moonwalking bear the first time around? Yeah, thank you, Brene, you're honest. But I mean, how many people, just put your virtual hand up, go ahead. All right, I see some people, right? Good for you. Everybody who has their hand up, you are special people. And you're probably special people who saw a video like that before. That's my guess. All right, all right. Uh, so the video ends with the point, it's easy to miss something that you're not looking for. All right. So now come back to the big idea for tonight. You need to see well. I need to see well in order to love well. Because so often we are not looking for opportunities to love. We miss or we dismiss concrete opportunities that God puts right in front of us to love other people. And so the title for tonight's message is The Eyes of Love, like focusing on the eyes of love, seeing as Jesus sees. You know, if you want to reflect the kind of love that Jesus has and the way he loved others, then we have to see as Jesus sees. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. A little roadmap. First, how does Jesus see? And then finally, how can we see more like Jesus sees? Okay. So first, how does Jesus see? When you read through the four gospels, it is astonishing how many times it's reported or said, when Jesus saw. Or Jesus looked at her and said, or Jesus said to him, do you see her? Or Jesus looking at the man loved him and said, right? You hear this kind of reference 40, 50 times throughout the gospels. And you get the sense that Jesus eyes were always, always catching what God wanted him to see. And I'm not going to reference all 40 of these, but I encourage you to pay close attention to Jesus' eyes the next time you read through a gospel or the next time you read through part of a gospel. But let's take a few minutes and let's just kind of skim, like, like a rock skimming across a lake. Let's skim across one of the portions of the gospels, Matthew chapter nine. And I want to trace what we see of Jesus' eyes, where his eyes look there, okay? So Matthew 9, 2, Sam's going to drop that in the chat. Thank you, Sam. Some men brought Jesus, sorry, some men brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. I would have seen a paralyzed man and would have been unsure of how to help him. While Jesus sees the bold faith of the friends who brought him, I would have seen a man who needed physical healing. While Jesus sees the man's deeper need of forgiveness and his desire to be forgiven, and he says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Later on in the ninth chapter of Matthew's gospel, verse 9, and Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. 
I would have seen a corporate sellout, right? A political traitor who sided with the oppressive Romans to make a buck over his countrymen. A person who would never say yes to putting sacrifice and loving others over accumulating wealth and loving self. That's what I would have seen. While Jesus, he saw a new disciple, somebody who would be willing to testify about his death and his resurrection one day, someone who would author the gospel we're reading now. (laughs) All right, Matthew 9, verses 10 and 11. While Jesus was having dinner later at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I would have been right there with the Pharisees. I would have seen what they saw, which is Jesus connecting with people who were different than me, people who would make me feel uncomfortable. While Jesus sees people who know that they need the spiritual healing that he offers. Later on in Matthew's gospel of chapter nine, verses 23 to 25, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd who were mourning and weeping, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but she is asleep. And they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in, he took the girl by the hand and she got up. I would have seen a bunch of people who had just humiliated me by laughing at me and scoffing at me. And I would have seen a dead girl that I couldn't have helped. While Jesus, he looks beyond the humiliation and he focuses on a girl who can be brought back to life with his touch and his love. And finally, one more from the same chapter, verse 36 When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I I would have seen the crowds with their many, many problems, their innumerable requests and demands. I would have seen how the crowd was keeping me from getting what I really wanted, which would be peace and rest and like focusing on my leisure time, right? While Jesus saw people who needed a strong leader, a shepherd, someone who could give them hope, somebody who could bring them rescue from their circumstances. And and he was moved by compassion when he saw them to give them those things because he knew God put him in that unique role to do that. So you see all throughout chapter nine of Matthew's gospel and the gospels, Jesus sees well. And because he sees well, he loves well. All right, so now shifting to part two, finally, how can we see as Jesus sees, right? And then let's consider some typical roadblocks that keep us from seeing well and and therefore loving well, loving as Jesus loves, all right? So one roadblock to seeing others well is othering others. That's right, you heard me correctly, othering others others. Like when you see someone, are you quick to categorize them or to judge them, right? Since the beginning of humanity, we have always put people into the category of other. We're really good at this, uh, every generation. But I think it's really bad today. I think there's a lot of impatience and anger out there. 
there, there's a stubborn unwillingness to even try to begin to understand the other. And there's a rush to cancel somebody who thinks differently than you, who are, or isn't like you or somebody from your you know, tribe. So what is the first thing that you see when you see or when you meet someone? Is it, is it some sort of category that is super important to you, like, like, like political convictions or economic or racial background or intellectual ability? You know, are those differences, and there are differences, there are lots of differences, are they the primary focus that moves you to categorize the other, to judge the other? Right? Or do you see someone who is made in the image of God, who is loved by God? Do we see someone that God has put in our life to get to know and, and to love them in some small way or some big way? Do we see and actually believe that God's work is incomplete in us until we learn how to love that person and how to receive love from that person? So what do you see when you see someone else initially? That's one roadblock, othering others. Another roadblock to seeing how Jesus sees are immediate distractions. And maybe this one's a little bit more unique to this day and age, right? We focus on what we care about. We just do. That's easy. Nobody has to tell you. I know. Nobody has to tell me, you know, to focus on your bank account. Like nobody has to tell you, Hey, you have three job offers. You better keep track of those. Like keep those in like marked as important in your email, right. Or your internships. Like don't, don't, don't forget those. Um, or, Hey, you know, they're the new Avenger and new Avenger movie is coming out soon. Right. You like, you know that, right. Like why, why do we not need reminders of these things? It's because we just naturally care about these things and we pay attention to these things. We're tuned into them. Right. Um, and yet it is so easy for us to get distracted away from the things that we want to truly love and the things that we're trying to love. So, for example, how many parents do you see on the sidelines scrolling on their phones instead of watching their son or daughter play in a competition? Or closer to home, how many friends do you see sitting at a table looking at their Instagram feed instead of sitting there talking and interacting with each other in person? You know, what the, the bigger question here is what are we training our eyes to look at moment by moment? Are we lifting up our eyes from the many distractions that are in front of us? And there will always be distractions. Are we lifting our eyes up from those in order to love the people that God has put all around us? whether it's people next door or people that are a phone call away. Supposedly, our eyes can focus on 50 objects every one second. I don't even know how that's possible. My guess is if that is true, that to love well, to see as Jesus sees, we have to learn of those 50 things, which are the 49 things that are distractions and we're supposed to ignore? And what is the one thing to see and to focus on in the moment and to bring love to in the moment? One more, one more roadblock for you to consider. Our desire for comfort. Okay. When, and this is, this is pretty easy to understand. When we start to see others as Jesus sees them and we start to love them as he loves them. 
This means that we'll get involved. We'll enter into deeper life with people. We will take risks. We will lose control of our schedule, our free time, and we will pour out more energy for others. In short, we will have to give up some of our comfort. That's just what it takes to see others, to genuinely see others as Jesus sees. So then why do it? Like you hear the roadblocks, you heard the difficulty, you heard the challenges. Why do it? So let's circle back to Jesus' words. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus didn't other us, right? And put us in the category of, okay, you've hurt me and betrayed me too many times. You can't be one of my people. You can't be with my people. He saw you and me as people who could receive his love and be transformed by it, right? Jesus wasn't easily distracted, but he resolutely set out to love us with a fierce love that never, ever got off track, not once. And he certainly didn't embrace his comfort and put that above seeking us out in order to bring us back to God. So then why love? We love when we look at, when we focus on, when we don't lose sight of the love of Christ, the love of Christ for you and for me, when we see the love of Christ for us, we respond with love. We see others. We seek to see others with the same eyes that Jesus has, loving him and loving others. If we forget that he loves us, then we're going to fall back to duty. That's all it will be. It'll be duty. But if we remember today and tomorrow that Jesus loves us, then we can love others with the love that he is pouring out into us day by day. So may you and I, this is our prayer, may you and I be captured by the love of Christ every day, and may you and I increasingly reflect that love to others as we learn how to see others as Jesus sees them. Amen.